We can't even come into your presence without your grace. To say that we need you is the understatement of our lives. We can't do this. We can't please you. We can't accomplish anything that has anything to do with eternity without you. Lord, we need you. It's as simple as that. For the next few moments, would you help us to be able to set aside our pride, our egos, our own self-concept that is wrapped up in our abilities, our self-focus, our concerns about our lives and our advancement in any way, shape, or form. And would you help us to see the Lord Jesus Christ? Lord, we need you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, that's my fault. I made a request a few weeks ago. I said, anytime you guys want to sing, Lord, I need you, right before I get up to speak, I would love that because that's one of my favorite songs. And then they do it, and it <clears throat> throws me all off. <laughs> it doesn't throw me off, but it reminds me of how desperately I need the Lord every moment of every day. And I know if you're keeping track, my list of favorite songs has about 25 on it right now. But the other thing is, For God So Loved is one of my favorites too. And there's nothing that I love more than watching people sing their guts out. I know that's not a very, you know, nice flowery term or observation, but that is true. I love that. And uh, I was singing my guts out too. So, uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life, right? John 3.16, one of the most well-known verses in the entire scripture. And that's why we're here. We're here to honor God, but we're here to cause others to know that he loved them so much that Christ died for their souls. And uh, if you've been listening and watching the last little bit, we've been talking some about our global outreach team. We're uh, ministering to the folks in Turkey by making some donations there as well to help with the earthquake relief. And you saw in the announcement this morning, there's a, a global outreach class starting in a couple of weeks. And we'd love for you to be a part of that so that you can see a little bit more of what your part is, what our part is as a church in regard to reaching people in other places, other parts of the world, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And one of the ways that we're going to do that, you may have noticed this morning when you came in, but there's a table set up out in the uh, lobby, and uh, there's some flags there, and there's some recipes and some other information from, 
from 15 select countries around the world that our global outreach team has identified as places who have a tremendous need for the gospel. You know there are countries all over the world where they don't know anything about Christ. And we would love to have you stop by after the service, uh, talk to some of the folks that are part of the global outreach team, and maybe consider adopting one of those countries, taking one of those flags home, putting it on your desk or your counter in your kitchen, and praying for that country with us. Uh, that they might hear the gospel of Jesus Christ as well. So please take note of that uh, as you go out this morning. Uh, I just wanted to share something with you as we begin this morning, looking into the book of Hebrews. There's a, there's a new phrase out there, and I just became aware of it a couple of weeks ago, and I'm not sure if you have heard of it or not, but it seems to capture kind of the, the spirit of the age that we live in, and it's called goblin mode. Has anybody ever heard of goblin mode? Yeah, you heard me right. Goblin, you know. You, you, you've got the picture in your mind. Goblin mode is about two things. This is, everything I tell you from up here is real and true, okay? I don't make this stuff up. I find it out there and I bring it to you for your enrichment and enlightenment. This is a real thing. Goblin mode is all about laziness and apathy, Goblin mode is watching TV in bed all day, uh, eating Hot Pockets and potato chips, and when you need more Hot Pockets and potato chips, going to Walmart in your pajamas and your indoor-outdoor slippers to get a new supply. Uh, Goblin mode trended on Twitter during all the COVID craziness. It really took off. And I found a couple of quotes by folks who have embraced goblin mode to help you understand what it is. One person said, it's the opposite of trying to better yourself. Another said, if you like that one, you'll really like this one. I love barely holding on to my sanity and making awful choices and developing unhealthy habits and coping mechanisms. That's goblin mode. This really embraces a natural self-focus of human nature and really leans into our tendency toward apathy. It embraces the concept of nihilism. I don't know if you have heard of nihilism before. You know what that means, but nihilism simply rejects truth and morality and says, who cares? Why does any of it really matter? Now, this comes to bear on what we're talking about today in the book of Hebrews. We're two, two weeks into this study, and we're already being challenged. I don't know if you notice this or not, but there... Okay, I'm going to... Nobody's sitting in this. Sometimes there's people sitting here, so I don't want to step on anybody's toes, but I'll move ahead here. There's no preamble in this letter. The author just jumps right into what he wants us to know. In the last two weeks, if you have been here and you've been following along in this early in this study, you know that Pastor Tim has talked to us about the fact that Jesus is God. We are focusing on the person of Jesus in the book of Hebrews. We are looking to Jesus and talking about his superiority because he is God. And because he is God, we are seeing that he is the gospel himself. He is the message of salvation, and he sits on the throne of the world. That's what we've been talking about the last couple of 
so easy to let life just roll on by. It's so easy to be lazy. It's so easy to let self-discipline go. It's easy to be apathetic in our lives about everything. If there's one thing we cannot do as we work our way through this book of Hebrews, it is to remain apathetic. And I hope you see that today, and I hope you see that as we continue on through here. Now to that point, over the next several months as we walk through the book of Hebrews, we are going to see that there are seven warnings in the book. Seven times when the author says, beware, pay attention. All of this stuff is important, but at this moment, you need to be very sure that you get this message And we've come to that first one here today in Hebrews chapter 2. And the warning is this, don't drift away. No one can afford to ignore the truth of salvation. That's what the writer wants us to understand. No one can afford to ignore the truth of salvation. So let's get into Hebrews chapter 2. If you have your Bible there and you're not already there, Hebrews chapter 2, the verses will be up on the screen. I'm going to read just the first four verses this morning. I know that Tim thinks I pick on him. I gave him 12 or 13 verses last week, and I only gave myself four verses, but that's just how it works. It's not unintentional, but Hebrews chapter 2, here's the first four verses. Listen to what he says. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable... And every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard. While God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. Now, let's go back to verse 1. We'll put verse 1 back up there. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. Now, the word therefore, when you're reading, I know some of you love to read and some of you hate to read. Some of you read only what you have to, like the cereal box or road signs or whatever it is that you do. But I want you to notice that when he says therefore... He's saying, because of what we've already heard, chapter 1, which Tim has talked about the last two weeks. Because Jesus is God, because he is the creator, we must listen to him. Now, I want you to notice the phrase that's there. He says, pay much closer attention. This phrase is emphatic. What he is saying is this. Listen very, very carefully to what Jesus has said. Now here's the reality of living in this world. There is a current, perhaps imperceptible to many, but there is a current that is pulling us away from the safe harbor of faith in Christ. This is why my heart breaks when I see everything that is happening in our culture. 
when I see the absolute rejection of any kind of morality at all in this world, it breaks my heart because I think this is pulling people away from faith in Christ. Now, many times the things that draw us away from Christ are subtle, and they're lulling us to sleep, and we don't realize it until it's too late. And that's why the writer to the Hebrews warns us, we're being warned here, you are being steeped in the indoctrination of the world. That's what he's saying. Do you realize, do you realize that if you don't pay attention to your spiritual condition, that it will deteriorate on its own? Do you realize that? You don't have to do anything. It's not like you have to go home from here today and take your Bible and fold it up and put it down. I don't need that thing. And walk away. I'm going to try to drift away from God. You don't have to do that. All you have to do is nothing. And you will drift away from the Lord. Your spiritual condition will deteriorate. Your spiritual muscles will atrophy. They will get weaker. This sinful world and your sinful nature will combine and you will become dull and indifferent and apathetic to spiritual truth and to God himself. And your heart will naturally revert to pride and self and lust and anger. You don't have to work for it. By doing nothing, you will drift away. Now, disclaimer time. I want you to hear this too. The scripture does teach the security of our salvation. The scripture teaches that if you are truly saved, then you are secure because of your faith in God. You are secure because of the faithfulness of God and the power of Jesus Christ. He holds on to us. John 10, 28 says, I know those who are mine and I hold them in my hand. That's Christ talking. He holds on to us and we are secure. All true believers have a secure salvation. But this is the danger. The danger is of professing faith in Christ, but not truly being saved. This is the warning. Professing faith in Christ, but not being truly saved. There are a couple of good examples of that in the New Testament. Some of you may have heard of a guy named Judas Iscariot. And when you think of Judas, what do you think of? You think of the fact that he's the one who betrayed Jesus, right? He was the one who went to the high priest and said, hey, if you want to get this guy, I can deliver him to you. Pay up. And they gave him 30 pieces of silver. And Jesus went to the garden. And he knelt down and he prayed. And he prayed there all night. And as the dawn was breaking... The soldiers came to the garden because Judas told them that's where he would be. And Judas went over and planted a kiss on Jesus' cheek and betrayed him as the one. 
That's what we think of, right? But for three years, Judas was a trusted disciple of Jesus Christ. He walked with them. He was there for all the things you read in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He was there the whole time. In fact, maybe you didn't know this, they trusted him so much, he was the one that carried the money. Was he a true disciple of Christ? Was he truly saved? No, he was not. In the book of Colossians, Paul talks about a guy by the name of Demas. And he, said, he says, Demas is, is one of my trusted friends. He is working with me to share the gospel. And a few years later, at the end of 2 Timothy, Paul tells Timothy, Demas loved the things of the world too much, and he has abandoned us. That's why the writer to the Hebrews is telling us, this is dangerous. Pay attention. Warning. You need to be careful here. What do we know about salvation? We know that salvation is the gift of God to all who believe, like we just sang in that song, For God So Loved the World. Salvation is the work of God, and nothing that we could ever do could earn us favor or acceptance with God. The Scripture makes that abundantly clear. However, it does not mean that we have no responsibility in this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul says, examine yourself to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourself. In the book of Philippians, Paul says, hold the course, press on, fight for faith and growth. Of course, our salvation is finished in Christ. Our position is secure. But right now, in the present, my friends, if you are a true believer in Jesus Christ, then you need to strive and fight and grow and progress. You must not stand pat. It's the opposite of apathy. For every true believer, our salvation is secure. But the best way for us to feel secure, because tell me if I'm wrong here, sometimes we know something is true, but we don't feel like it's true. Does that ever happen to you? You know it's true, but it doesn't feel like it's true. And that can happen with our salvation. We know that we're saved, but it doesn't feel like we're saved. Well, even though our salvation is secure, the best way for us to feel secure in our salvation and to enjoy that closeness is to grow and progress in our holiness and our attention to the Word of God. Diligent attention to the Scripture is our anchor. No believer, no Christ follower has ever grown, has ever progressed, has ever advanced in their walk with God without careful attention to the Scripture. There's no other way. You know what a life hack is? It's a little tip, a little nugget that can help you get ahead, a little shortcut for life. If you don't know what they are, just turn on your computer sometime and try to look for something on a website, and they just pop up all over the place, and you can't X them out fast enough so you can read what you're trying to read. 
They're clickbait. They're trying to get you to click on stuff for ad revenue. And they say things like this, do this one thing before breakfast every day and lose 20 pounds in one week. You've seen them. I know you have. Life hacks, shortcuts. Because we don't want to do the, I don't, I don't want to, should I stand sideways? I could lose a couple right here. I don't want to do the hard work. I just want to do one thing before breakfast every day and lose 20 pounds. There are no life hacks to spiritual growth and progress. There's no one, I do this one thing and you'll be close to God for the rest of your life. No, there's no shortcut. But careful attention to the word of God. That's the only way. Verse 2. For since the message was declared by angels, or the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution. Why should we take verse 1 so seriously? Well, the Old Testament message, the Old Covenant, and some of you may know some of that because you've read the Old Testament and some of you may not. Stick around, follow along. We're going to get into some of that as we go through Hebrews. He's going to explain more of it. But the, the Old Covenant was serious. The message that God gave to Israel through the angels, through the prophets, was serious. You know this, maybe you haven't thought about it, but it was so serious that when the Israelites left Egypt and they failed to pay attention to the message that God had given them, what happened? Do you know? Anybody know? A whole generation of Israelites died. And did not enter the promised land because they didn't pay attention to the message. There's another passage of scripture that says there was a group of guys that were so disobedient and so disregarded the message that God had given them that the ground split open and swallowed them up and then closed. Yikes. That's serious, right? That's serious. What the writer is saying here is this. Look how serious that message one was. And it came through angels and men. And no one got away with anything. Now look at verse 3. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord. And it was attested to us by those who heard. Now again, we'll talk more about this as we work our way through Hebrews But the old covenant, the old way in the Old Testament to come to God was with sacrifices, animal sacrifices, and cleansings. There were certain things you need to do, certain times you need to wash your hands, and sometimes after you were ill that you had to wash your whole body, and sometimes even in some illnesses you had to take your clothes and and burn them to cleanse yourself from the Filthiness and all of those things from the Old Covenant were symbolic of coming to God and asking Him for forgiveness. They were all symbolic of what Christ would do on the cross. Now this 
is a new covenant. It's a new agreement. That's what the word covenant means. It's a new agreement between God and men. And it's because of Jesus Christ. He announced it. He's the message. He's the truth. He's the sacrifice. In all of those things from the Old Testament, when they were told, you need to do this sacrifice, you need to come at this and, and honor the Sabbath this way and do this cleansing, Jesus Christ came and he said, I'm the sacrifice. I'm the Sabbath. I'm the cleansing. And he fulfilled all of that. It's no longer necessary. The sacrifices are not necessary because Christ offered himself as the sacrifice. Every other, and please look at me so you can see these air quotes, don't miss them. Every other salvation, every other system of faith puts the burden on you. You do it. If you do these things, then you will be acceptable to God. Muslims, if you pray five times a day, if you make one pilgrimage to Mecca in your lifetime, if you follow these guidelines as to what you eat, then you will be acceptable to God. Jehovah's Witnesses, if you follow this path, if you read these brochures, if you spend this much time knocking on doors, Mormons, if you refrain from caffeine, if you refrain from alcohol, if you do these things, you will be saved. Every other salvation puts the burden on you. But this salvation, this great salvation is all dependent on what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. This great salvation is given freely to everyone who believes. And there is no escape if you neglect it. That's the warning. Verse 4. While God also bore signs, witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. There was another confirmation of this message and it was signs and wonders and miracles. Now this phrase means authenticating signs. See, the apostles knew this message was true. You know, the guys we read about in the Gospels, you know who I'm talking about? Nod your head if you know what I'm talking about. Matthew and, and Luke and Mark and James and Peter and John and Andrew and all those guys, they knew it was true. How did they know this message was true? Well, um, they saw it. They walked with Jesus for three years. They knew he was real. They knew he was alive. They saw him get arrested. They saw him get nailed to the cross. They saw his body get put in the tomb. They saw his body out of the tomb alive again. They knew it was true. And so they started telling everyone, and God, through the Holy Spirit, gave them the ability to do miracles and signs to authenticate the fact that they were from God. And if you read the book of Acts, you see many, many of those. And now, we have 
the gospel confirmed. We know it is true because it has been written for us and testified by Jesus Christ himself and confirmed by the apostles and recorded for us in the word of God, which we have in our hands right here. So what does all that mean? It means that you cannot afford to ignore the truth of salvation. You can't afford to ignore it. Christ follower, if you're a Christ follower here this morning, my intent is not to make you doubt your salvation. My intent is this, to warn you as the writer does, do not become separated from the anchor of God's word. Do not drift lazily in the current of this culture. We need to understand this. We need to understand that Jesus Christ did not leave heaven, come to this earth, live a sinless life, die an excruciating death on the cross so that you could sit in a spiritual inner tube and float down the Saco River of life with your buddies. That is not why he came to this earth to die. And that's what so many Christians do. Hey, I'm in. I'm safe. And they just drift along with the current. And this writer says, my friends, do not do that. Pay much closer attention. Don't be a lazy Christian. Don't let days and weeks go by without opening your Bible. Don't set aside the confession of your sin. Don't allow your spiritual life to atrophy. Pay much closer attention to what you are hearing. Now, if you're not a Christ follower here this morning, or you think you might be, or in your mind you know you profess to be, but you are not truly, allow me one more challenge. You've heard the message of salvation today. If you never have, you have today. That Jesus Christ died for your sin and paid the price for your punishment so that you could be saved, and you don't have to spend eternity in hell. Nobody likes to talk about hell because it's not very nice. It's not very friendly. It's not very comfy and cozy. And because we all in this world are in this horrible goblin mode where we just want to be in our jammies and eat Hot Pockets. But that's not the reality of life. The scripture tells us that the reality is that every person who neglects this great salvation through Jesus Christ will spend eternity in hell. I wish that wasn't true, but I don't make the rules. I didn't create this universe. God did. And he offers us the salvation so that we might not spend eternity in hell. So I challenge you to examine yourself and be sure of your faith in Christ. Do not be apathetic. 
to drift away from the truth, to neglect his salvation, to profess to be saved without actually committing yourself to Jesus Christ is to invite the judgment of God. Warning. Warning. What did Hebrews say? How shall we escape? You won't. No one will. Hebrews 10.31 says, It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. God's word demands a response. The warning is, don't sit there and listen to it and walk away and not care. There is grace and there is peace and there is hope for those who trust Jesus Christ. That's the message and that's the warning. So you've heard the warning. There's the hope. In Christ alone, if we have Christ, we have everything. If you're a Christ follower and you're drifting, you latch on, you pay attention to what you're hearing and to the truth of the Word of God. And if you don't know Christ, this salvation is for you, this great salvation. Don't ignore it. Don't ignore it. Father, thank you for being so gracious to us that you would give us this great salvation and that you would allow us to hear it today and to see it in your word and to see it in the person of Jesus Christ. We stand here only in the power of Christ. I'm so thankful that I am his and he is mine. And no power of hell can ever take me from his hand. Father, my heart breaks this morning for every person who might be here today who doesn't know that comfort. For them, the power of hell is real. It's real in this world. And I pray that you will wake us up and that we will pay much closer attention to the things that we have heard. Thank you for the grace and mercy and hope and peace of Jesus Christ. He is greater than all, and we look to him. In his name we pray, amen. Thanks, folks. I hope you have a great week.